Our Old Testament lesson today is from Isaiah chapter 7. This passage is the basis for our message today. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's the conclusion of the familiar poem Invictus by William Ernest Henry. And the beauty of his poetry has a kind of diabolical power that draws our hearts to yearn for that word to be truth. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. We want to believe those words. King Ahaz, in our Old Testament reading for today, believed those words. That he was the master of his fate. You see, there's a lot of things going on in the context of Isaiah chapter 7. And today I'm going to present to you an introduction to those things. So that when you go home tonight, you can read Isaiah 6 to 11 and have some understanding of what's going on. But Isaiah, or Ahaz rather, is the king of the kingdom of Judah. North of him, the kingdoms of Israel and Syria, which is titled Aram here, are in an alliance to wipe out the people of Judah, to take out Ahaz and his family and to establish their own king on the throne of that kingdom. So for good reason, Ahaz was a little bit scared. The people of Judah were a little bit scared, but not not too scared. Because Ahaz was the master of his fate. He was the captain of his soul and he had a plan. His plan was to be the puppet master, pulling the strings of political powers to to throw some cash up to the Assyrian Empire, which is north of Aram and Israel, so that they would go wage war on the north. And if they're fighting a war on the north, well, then they can't fight a war on the south. It's kind of an ingenious plan to get these people off of his back. That is until Isaiah shows up. 
And while Ahaz thinks himself the master of his fate, while Ahaz has taken matters into his own hands, Isaiah's word to Ahaz in the verses before what you heard this morning are gospel verses telling Ahaz that God is going to preserve him. Just be silent, be quiet, trust in God, don't do anything, and God will deliver you. And the last verse before what you heard this morning, Isaiah exhorts him to be firm in faith, but he says, if you are not firm in faith, you are not firm at all. And that was Ahaz's problem. He was not firm in faith. He wanted to be the master of his soul. But the Lord did not give up on Ahaz. And that's the text you heard this morning. He sends Isaiah to give a sign to Ahaz. And not just any sign, like like Isaiah was some magician of the Lord, but he has Ahaz even choose the sign so that he would be able to see that the Lord God is in control, to be able to see that God is the one true God through the sign and trust in his word. But Ahaz treats Isaiah like some shabby nut in shabby clothes, a little bit unkempt, who who comes over to him and he listens to Isaiah for a minute just because he's kind of embarrassed for him. But when Isaiah starts talking about a sign and Ahaz doesn't believe the sign's going to come, he keeps him at arm's length and says, I will not ask a sign. And he clouds it in this pious phrase, I will not put the Lord to the test. Ahaz keeps Isaiah and God's word at arm's length because he wants to be the master of his fate. He's got bigger things to deal with. He's got Israel and Aram to deal with. But Isaiah's words to Ahaz remind him that Ahaz is not in control. God is in control. And when God wants to give a sign, he will give a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And for Ahaz, that's really bad news. Because this God is almighty. He is sovereign. He is over all of the kingdoms of the entire world. And if this almighty God is in the room, Well, then Ahaz isn't the master of his fate anymore. He's not the captain of his soul anymore. When this almighty God comes into the room, well, that's a chilling reality. God is with us. Sometimes that can be a chilling reality for us too. Because we want so badly to be the master of our fate. We want so badly to be the captain of our soul. I want that. And maybe, maybe if I say I want that and I look at my financial situation and I think, well, things are kind of out of whack here, but that's okay. It's all right. I've got a plan. I can fix this. And then that bill comes that you just didn't expect or couldn't see coming. Emmanuel. God is with us. 
Or maybe for you, it's health. And you want to live as long as you can for your family. You, you want to be the picture of health. And so you exercise, you eat well, you do all the right things. You hate spinach, but gosh darn it, you're going to eat it every day because you want to live a long time. And then the diagnosis comes. The one that you couldn't see coming. Emmanuel, God is with us. I don't know how many of you have been able to follow the TV series, The Chosen. It's kind of a, not a literal translation of Bible to film, but it does some cool things with film, and I would encourage you to look it up and watch it. In that TV series, they introduce to us the character of Nathaniel. In the scriptures, we have almost no background on Nathaniel. We really don't know much about him, but they give, the, they give him a background that is really relatable for our circumstance. You see, Nathaniel in the TV series The Chosen was an architect, and he wanted to be the best Jewish architect the world had ever seen. He wanted his architecture to get so big and be so important that he would actually be able to build structures around the temple of God and glorify God through his architecture. And so he poured his life into this, into, into the plots and into the plans and into the blueprints. And then one day, something went wrong. A little bit out of his control, something went wrong at the place that he was building. A building collapsed, killing a couple of the workers, and Nathaniel's career was ruined like that. Emmanuel, God is with us. And when God is with us, it's like we are nothing more than a landscaping trailer being pulled along behind a semi-truck. And when we insist on being the master of our own fate, on being the captain of our own soul, it's like taking that landscaping trailer, trying to hitch it to the front of the semi, and trying to merge onto the highway. It's not good for those who want to be the master of their own soul. God is with us. In the book of Isaiah, that's a chilling reality. And as Isaiah's children become born, they are this first fulfillment of the prophecy. And their names are this ambiguous reality of law and gospel here together that's kind of chilling, kind of scary. His, his first son named a remnant shall return, which means there's only going to be a remnant left. His second son means quick, spoil, hurry, plunder. Who's getting plundered? Who's getting the spoil? Is it going to be Israel, Aram, Judah, all of them? In Isaiah's children, the word becomes flesh in this ambiguous, crippling reality. But Isaiah's prophecy, like many prophecies of the Old Testament, is like a telescope, seeing through multiple lenses of fulfillment and ultimately focusing on the person of Christ. God is with us. Emmanuel. And that name 
gets a face in the womb of Mary. As the angel brings this up to Joseph in our gospel reading for today, Emmanuel, God with us, is Jesus. And in the person of Jesus, with this chilling reality of God being with us, we wonder if this God who is with us is really for us. It made King Herod shake in his boots as this child was born. But in the person of Jesus, we see that God who is with us comes to be for us. Not for those who are the master of their fate, but to those who are sick, he brings healing. To the demon-oppressed, he brings freedom. To the sinners, he brings welcome. Jesus' ministry shows that this God who is with us in everything is, in fact, for us. And as Jesus walks the earth, there are some people who want to be the master of their fate, who want to be the captain of their soul, The one thing in history that Caiaphas, Herod, and Pilate all agreed on was that this God who is with us needs to die. They took matters into their own hands. They had their own plots and conspiracies of how things were going to work, and they put Jesus up on a cross. But the semi-truck kept rolling. And there on the cross, God's plans were carried out. Jesus looks down at the world and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus takes hundreds, millions of people who once thought themselves the master of their soul and hitches them onto himself and carries them forward by the sign of his own cross to the forgiveness of sins and carries them forward to their heavenly home with him forever. God is with us. God is going to accomplish his will the way that he is going to accomplish it. He has hitched you on to himself and he is carrying you forward on the highway to heaven to be with him for eternity. And sure, along the way, you'll have to go through deserts. Along the way, you'll hit a few potholes. Along the way, you'll probably see an ice storm here and there. But God is with you. And through the cross of Jesus, he is unmistakably for you, too. One of the privileges of being a pastor is having the opportunity to visit the saints in their illness, to go to hospitals. And there at the, at the threshold of so many hospital rooms, you recognize in this kind of almost mystical experience that, that God's presence is so apparent. And I remember one hospital visit. As it's so clear that God is with us, this woman kind of sheepishly admitted to me after she had been in the hospital for over a week with her pain on a scale of 1 to 10 between an 8 and a 9, she said, I was angry at God. And I thought, well, I would have been angry at God too. But she continued, 
but through what he's done here, he has brought me so much closer to him. The fact that she was, that God was with her in that hospital room for a moment was terrifying, was even frustrating. But as the experience unfolded, it became obvious that she was being carried by God through a desert place. And ultimately, she was being carried to an eternal home with a God who is for her. Through Jesus, this term, Emmanuel, reveals to us not only that God is with us, but this God who is with us in every situation is also for us. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.